Uh, So we're going to finish off Psalm 48 here, but let me read it again to us. Psalm 48, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in His holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is in her palaces, He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together, they saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled, they hastened away. Fear took hold of them, and pain as of a woman in birth pangs. And when, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God. God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go all around her, count her towers, mark well her bulwarks, consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. For this is our God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. And so as we talked about last night and as we feel within our hearts, our desire is to know more of God. It is within personal relationship that we find meaning in life. There is no religion, there is no ritual, there is no rule book that can add to our lives the sort of satisfaction and strength that is found in knowing our personal God in a personal way. It is a mistake for us to think that we can uh, you know, find formulas in our spirituality in order to accomplish spiritual goals. He's not a convenience store that we visit when we require a spiritual commodity. He's our precious bridegroom who loves us and gave himself for us that we might uh, live and receive life and be with Him always. In Psalm 48, the sons of Korah give us a wonderful example of dependence on and confidence in the Lord. But they also demonstrate the practical benefits of the Christian life. Uh, things like joy and peace and defense and gladness as we saw last night. They demonstrate a life that is filled with the desire to worship and is effective to witness Jesus Christ throughout the world. And so we're here on this special opportunity to commune with God this weekend, enjoying Him, enjoying His church, enjoying His creation and the fullness that He has won for us. And so the opportunity we have is to engage in our relationship with God, not sit idly by, not forfeit the calling that He's placed on each of our lives, but to move forward with this Jesus who loves us, to know Him and to love Him. That's our goal. That's our purpose this weekend. We paused last night after verse 8 in our text, and so now continuing in verse 9, we read this. We have thought, O God, on Your loving kindness in the midst of Your temple. Uh, Many of you have heard of talking points, but the sons of Korah are giving us thinking points throughout this song. And here they're focusing on the loving kindness of God. His compassion, and, and which is put into action on our behalf. As these men entered into the temple, they understood that though God is holy and He is just and He is perfect, He was willing to move on our behalf in compassion so that He could redeem us from sin and death. And uh, when we pause to reflect upon the fact that God didn't have to Uh, save us from our sin. God didn't have to provide a way that we might be forgiven and reconciled to Him. Uh, That's a remarkable thing. Prophet Micah said in chapter 7 of his book, Who is a God like you, 
pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. And it's a remarkable thing that our God is a merciful God and delights in mercy. You know, I remember uh, being in school and and, uh, from time to time, both in high school and then later in college, every now and then there'd be like a unit in one of the history courses on Greek mythology. And, uh, you know, none of those gods are merciful. None of those gods have loving kindness. Instead, they are, you know, looking to kind of mess with the people of the earth. They want to judge the people of the earth. But our God is a God of mercy and loving kindness. And so often we hear Bible teachers just slam us with all the things that we need to do better. Otherwise, God is going to be angry with us. And we kind of make Him uh, like Zeus in that way. And while faith without works is dead, the Bible says, what's important is that we understand what God has done for us. That's the primary you know, study. It's not what we need to do so that God won't be angry. The, no, the first thing we need to know is what God has done for us. He delights in mercy. He delights in transforming your life. You mean God saw each and every one of my individual sins and He loves me anyway? You mean God has orchestrated countless events in my life so that He could reveal Himself to me and then set my life on a course that honors Him and leads to an eternity in heaven? You mean God is interested in my thoughts and my family and my day-to-day living? That's our God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And if we're thinking of God in our hearts as a distant or emotionless deity, if we're thinking of Him as someone who's angry with us for not being perfect, uh, then we're failing to know Him in truth. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I think there's a natural tendency we have, both culturally and just as human beings, to think that, you know, uh, God is going to be distant because I'm imperfect. And God doesn't want to, you know, spend time with me because, you know, I've sinned in some way. And, And God comes and says, no, I knew you were a sinner. I saw every one of your sins and I still died for you and I still love you and I still want to be with you. In truth, He is a God full of loving kindness and mercy and compassion that moves for you and for me. Verse 10. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. You know, simply thinking about the names of Jesus can give so much knowledge to who He is and and endless reasons for us to worship Him. Uh, Through those names that we find in the Scriptures, we can know Him more personally and more intimately. Think of Him as Savior or Redeemer. Think of Him as Creator or Healer. Think of Him as Protector or Shepherd, Alpha and Omega, Lamb of God, Deliverer, Faithful, Almighty, the Advocate, High Priest, Hope, the Bright and Morning Star, Wonderful, Counselor, Prince and King, Lord of all, Life. There's hundreds of aspects, not only of His nature, but of His work on our behalf, just held in the names that He is called in the Scriptures. And so when we stop and just reflect on the names of Jesus Christ, it will write our perspective and it will fill our hearts with love for the One who saved us. And it will stir us in a desire to share Jesus Christ with as many people as we can. He is our Almighty God who loves and saves and teaches with righteousness. Focus on His names this weekend. Verse 11, Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Now God is not just a God of mercy. He's not just a lover of His people, but He is also a judge. And that is a very good thing. 
because He is not powerless to accomplish His will. It'd be one thing if God had all sorts of intentions, but it's another thing if He has the power to carry those things out. He doesn't just intend to accomplish His plan in your life, but in His power, He makes judgments and establishes His sovereign will based on what He knows He's going to do. Knowing that should cause us to rejoice as His people because God doesn't just make us empty promises that, oh, I'd really, really like to keep these to you, so hopefully they happen. And the Bible is full of promises and we read about them and talk about them a lot. And thankfully, we have a God who is judge and who is able to accomplish those things. He bases His Word on what He knows He's going to do. The power that He's provided for you, the place He's preparing for you in heaven, the wisdom that He's offering to you today, Uh, Those promises He has judged and they will come to pass just as He has said. That word judgments there can also mean verdict or sentence. It's a courtroom word and and, uh, if we look at it this way, we could say that God has looked on my life, He's looked on your life, and it's covered by the sacrificial blood of Jesus and He has made His verdict that we are redeemed and that we are part of His family and we are sentenced to an eternity with Him in heaven. To know God includes knowing His very real plan for your eternity. And that's an exciting thing. Verse 12. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. Jesus invites us to examine Him, to look into what He has done. He's given us His Word and He says, See, this is my heart for you. This Bible that's in your hands right now, this is what I want for you. And then He's also given us His Holy Spirit so that we can see God moving in our lives. Even today, even now, the Lord says, not only have I told you what I want for you and told you what I've done for you and what I want to do for you, but I've also given you My Spirit so that you can see that happening and so that you can uh, participate with that and so that these things can actually come to pass in supernatural ways. And so today or tomorrow, I'd encourage you to take some time to take a walk with the Lord, either as an individual or as a family, thinking about what He's done in your life and marking down that which He has built and prepared for you. That's what the sons of Korah said. They said, hey, you know what? Walk around Mount Zion and see what God has done through His people. But then don't keep it to yourself. Share that information and that uh, personal relationship with the next generation. As you pause to commune with God this weekend and throughout your life, ask God to show you His presence. He, he wants us to know Him. He wants us to see Him. And so I encourage us all to just pray like Elisha did when he asked God to reveal His presence to the fearful servant there. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened his eyes to the young man And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We should pray like Moses who said to the Lord in the book of Exodus, Please show me your glory. We serve a God of light and of vision who loves to reveal himself to his people. And the Bible is very clear that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And he will draw us deeper into relationship with him. And so step forward into that promise today. Take that relationship that you have with the Lord and then share it with others. Share it with the next generation. Bring your families to Jesus like Andrew brought Peter, like Noah shared with his kids, like Zacchaeus shared with his friends. That's what God desires that we do when we see all the things that He's doing in our lives. Verse 14, 
It says, For this is our God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. This is our God. And that is a wonderful statement as we think upon the different ideas and and principles that we've seen in the earlier 13 verses. This is our God whose heart is inclined to us, whose thoughts are toward us, whose power is within us, and whose plan includes us. That's our God. And we have the chance to, you know, uh, set other things aside for the next two days and draw into Him and, and spend time with Him. Even as we're enjoying creation and enjoying different activities, that's a time that we get to be on a mountaintop with Jesus. And so focus on the Lord. Know Him more this weekend and find the life that He has promised you. He's made it possible by the shedding of His blood and the power of His grace. God has gone to great lengths so that we can have a dynamic relationship with Him. He's not trying to withhold anything from us, but He's trying to draw us nearer. And when Christ is our focus, when He is our center, then life is full of the direction and the joy and the satisfaction that we seek. We can stand strong and confident in His shelter and in His defense, humbled by His greatness and His loving kindness. And when those things are happening in our hearts, when we're knowing God in that way, life becomes all that God wants it to be and all that we want it to be, full and satisfied and purposed. And so see your God this weekend, hear His Word, worship Him, and understand how much He desires that personal intimacy with you. Amen? All right. It is about 7.20 right now, so you got a few more minutes until breakfast. So enjoy.